Today, we will start the session with a conversation with Matt Carbonara, Managing Director of City Ventures. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shimana. Good morning. Thank Good you. Morning. Thank you for having me. Big fan of uh, big fan of your podcast and big fan of your 1M by 1M goals. So, and I'm excited thank to be you. here. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start by introducing our audience to you as well as what's happening at City Ventures. How are you positioning the fund, et cetera? Absolutely. So maybe let me just start a little bit with City Ventures and then I can double click on my background as well. So at City Ventures, we invest in uh, category defining startups that can um, help have the potential to augment and enhance City's products and the services mm -hmm. that we offer to our clients. So we've invested in approximately, or we have a portfolio of approximately 50 companies in our portfolio today. We've invested in uh, 80 companies over the history of the, of the uh, fund since the early uh, 2010 is when it got started. Um, we have 14 uh, investment professionals. We have eight here in Silicon Valley that go between Palo Alto and San Francisco. We have three in New York. We have two in Tel Aviv, Israel, and one in London. Um, mm -hmm. We, and essentially the way we operate is we work closely with our operating colleagues, the business and technology experts inside of City, to try to understand the gaps that they have between what they have today and what they would like to have 12, 24, 36, 48 months out. And then what we do is we spend time meeting startups in the, in the, in the landscape and the ecosystem of those different areas and try to identify what we think are gonna be the market leading and category defining startups that are bringing that innovation to market. And then we bridge those companies into City in order to help accelerate the adoption of new business models and new technologies in city and get city to innovate faster. Uh, we do this across a number of areas that, that I can speak to, um, but uh, you know, really think we sit inside the chief innovation officers organization. So definitely one of our goals is helping city innovate faster by investing in these companies that really solve problems that city has and then bridging them into city and accelerating city's adoption of those technologies or even maybe getting city introduced to the technology it didn't even know or a company it didn't even know existed and then getting it to adopt that technology and so where we can really help is on the commercialization side so um, trying to get um, that company additional customers in either Citibank or maybe some of city's clients or mm -hmm. we've built a tech council of additional technology executives that are sort of in orbit around city ventures that we can also introduce them to so of our of our current portfolio uh, about 60% have had some kind of uh, uh, commercial relationship with City, and we define commercial relationship as either doing a pilot or POC or being fully commercialized within the bank. And so that's really mm -hmm. where, we're, where we're focused and how we can help. Um, is, is it do a, this, uh, uh, please go ahead. What, what I was asking is, is it a specific sized fund or is it an evergreen fund that City continues to yeah, I think about it. Yeah, think think about it. As, think about it as evergreen. Think about it as we invest, make eight to ten, maybe sometimes twelve investments throughout the course of a year, and our typical investment is anywhere from two to fifteen million dollars. So pretty broad range. We'll invest um, earliest. We'll typically go because we are so focused on that commercialization piece. Is when the company has a product in market and a handful of customers, because that way we know that we can start to have those commercialization and customer vendor discussions with. Um, other large enterprises, which is really our focus. So that's sort of as early yeah. as we go. And then we'll go as late as pre-IPO. But you know, if you look historically, we've invested across that whole spectrum um, of, of, uh, of, of startup uh, sectors. Um, we do both uh, B2B. Yeah, 
Sorry, what's that? Geography. Geography, we will, uh, pretty broad. Uh, we have done a lot of deals in the U.S., uh, Israel, Europe. Uh, we're currently looking at investments in Latin America. Uh, we've done investments also in Singapore and India as well. So we're constantly looking to expand. We, look, we know innovation is not restricted to one geography. We think it happens everywhere. Um, and, and so historically, I would say U.S., Israel, Europe, um, increasingly uh, looking at other geographies like Latin America, Singapore, and India, and other parts of Southeast Asia. Okay. And you were saying uh, about B2B versus B2C, what's the split, and yeah. how do you... Yeah. It's a good question. We do both. It's, it's interesting because City serves both. Uh, we have a, a retail bank or a consumer bank that serves consumers, so we'll invest in B2C technologies that sort of are disrupting or helping in uh, think about innovation in that area. And then we, you know, we serve a lot of, we probably bank, uh, you know, a large percentage of the global uh, 5,000. Uh, and so we serve mm -hmm. a lot of institutions as well. So, so we'll do B2B. And we really do this across five key areas. Think about one, one of the big buckets uh, that, couple, that com covers a couple of those five areas as banking and sort of finance focus. So that's where Citi could be, um, you know, a partner, um, a go-to-market partner, maybe a customer, co-brand, co-sell a product. And so those areas like fintech and financial services, trying to identify the emerging trends, uh, new models in banking and financial services. Uh, the second bucket there is uh, commerce and payments. So uncovering better ways to engage consumers by providing innovative offers and leveraging payment, new payment rails and payment infrastructure. Um, a newer area that we've added there, it's not sort of, uh, uh, we, we haven't officially added it to our, to our website, but where we are spending time around uh, prop tech or property technology as well, because that's, uh, that's mm -hmm. a, we see a lot of disruption, a lot of innovating things happening there. The other sort of broad practice and where I actually spend more of my time is on the enterprise side. So think about City as a consumer of technology in order to enhance the products and services that we offer. So these are areas like cybersecurity, cloud, developer tools, you know, other areas of traditional enterprise IT. So solving for those next generation security threats. We have 40 some thousand developers inside of City. How do we help make them more effective and able to deliver applications uh, more rapidly and more efficiently and effectively to, to our customers? Um, Second bucket there would be data and analytics and machine learning. You know, there's obviously a lot that can be gained um, from using data city the city has to enhance customer experience, offer better better services to its customers. Uh, and then third is uh, customer experience and marketing. So, you know, how can we improve that customer experience, things around how do you improve the contacts in our call center experience, how do you improve the online digital experience for our customers. Um, so those are all areas where we've invested. And more recently, we've started to add um, and look at areas um, like RPA or automation, like how can we automate processes in the bank? Again, with the thought of how do we become more responsive to our customers and how do we offer a more efficient and more effective customer experience? Okay, there's a lot of stuff that you said here that we can double click down on. Let me start with um, the first question, which is, um, you know, can you talk us through a case study of a company that you've invested in that actually found significant go-to-market leverage through the city customer base? Uh, it's a good question. Um, so there's a company that we're invested in called uh, High Radius that um, has partnered with City. And essentially what High Radius does is it helps, um, it does factor 
uh, factoring and um, I'll say uses uses algorithms to match up uh, payables and receivables for uh, a company and the company's uh, partners. And so that's mm -hmm. an area where we, it's sort of helping manage cash for companies, and that's one where we're partnered and we're sort of selling that product together in the market. Um, we also... Uh, Can um, I just ask one follow-up yep. question to that one? When you yeah. do that, when Citi is co-selling an investee company's product, uh, what are the terms? Is Citi taking a percentage of the sales? What's, how do you structure these relationships? You know, it's a good question, uh, uh, Shramana. I think it, it com it's a case-by-case -case basis. So, I mean, I think we, we, we don't get involved in that, that part of it. We, again, we like to think of ourselves uh, backing up a little bit about City Ventures. We think of ourselves as, hey, we're going to do the investment piece and we'll let the business unit do the business piece, right? So that, that part is sort of left to the business that's doing the deal with the company and, and the company itself. Um, okay, fair enough. Um, let's go to the other diff other categories that you've talked about, where um, there is a relationship from um, that the company gets to use, gets to leverage within the business. So, talk about some more examples of different areas where you're investing, um, where the company has found a path into. City as a channel, city as a customer, city as a partner. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the um, one company that we're investing in is a company called Pindrop, and what Pindrop does is it reduces voice fraud. Uh, so, if somebody's calling into your contact center and is claiming to be, uh, you know, John Smith calling from Nebraska, but they're really uh, somebody else calling from somewhere in uh, a foreign country, and, it, and it's sort of think of it as, as a, some some form of voice fraud. Um, yeah. You know, they can detect that by looking at the quality of the of the of the mm -hmm. line. They can actually track where that call is coming from to some extent, um, whether it's tra you know what networks it's traveling over, um, and that reduce that helps reduce fraud for uh, for us. And so that's an example of a company where we've invested in it. City became a customer. It's had savings for City on a um, on a uh, um, uh, reduction of fraud side, and then city, uh, you know, then they've gone on to get a bunch of other customers and become a, a successful company. Um, but cool. A number of companies in the cybersecurity space that have also sort of followed that type of that type of uh, uh, engagement with city. So. Okay, and um, you know, if you kind of play out the value chain, uh, the next natural question is. Have any of your companies exited into city? Uh, none have actually that that I'm aware of. Um, we we tend not to. Um, I, I, I would never say it will never happen, but that hasn't been what we've done in the past. Um, it's it's really we've seen them acquired by other companies, but not necessarily by city. Um, again, we think that piece is sort of uh, you know independent of what our team does, and you know we're happy to. Um, sort of provide a, an overview and a landscape of that space and sort of track all the trends in that space and provide that to the business. But that, that sort of activity would be driven by the business. But historically, I can't think of any that have been acquired by city in the last 10 years. Interesting. That's, that's a very interesting data point because uh, we are, as you know, we track the industry very, very extensively and broadly. 
but we focus primarily on the technology sector. And uh, there are certain parts of the technology sector where there is a lot of, you know, exits into a particular platform through which the companies go to market, going to market happening right now. And mm -hmm. um, my forecast actually is there's going to be more of that. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But especially if you look at the platform as a service area where I have we, we have a major coverage right now. There's a lot of, um, you know, companies building on a particular past platform and then getting acquired by the platform vendor. The biggest, of course, recently is Velocity, but being acquired for $1.3 billion by Salesforce. Um, mm -hmm. Salesforce Ventures was an investor in that and so on and so forth. So this is, I think, becoming a bit of a trend. Yeah, it's very true. I think I, I guess I think about on, on the technology side where I think it's um, it, it doesn't make sense for somebody that's a customer of a technology company to necessarily uh, no, acquire companies. No, uh, but but not. certainly on the go to market side, it could it could make more sense because then it's incremental yeah. to your revenue base. So I, I agree with you that that is definitely a trend we'll see more of. What um, just broadening a little bit of um, the line of questioning. Could you talk a bit about what your analysis of the fintech market is right now and where are the key opportunities? Yeah, we see, so it's not an area that I focus on, so I'll qualify my perspective with that. But what I would say is what we see is um, payments moving into different parts of the ecosystem is certainly one trend yeah. that we're following. So you can think about uh, verticalized SaaS companies with an element of payments becoming part of those SaaS companies and the payment stream becoming part of that. So, for example, we're investors in um, a company called HoneyBook out of Israel that basically helps manage the um, sort of the RFP and invoicing process for creative people. So, for example, I'm like a, a photographer or a wedding planner or um, an event planner. Um, and you and I are going back and forth over all the details and getting sort of that 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 uh, work bid, that work order done. Um, they charge a monthly subscription fee for that um, for that person that runs that business to ma help more easily manage that process with each other customers. But then the payments also run through that platform as well, and they get a toll on all the payments. So we see a lot of verticalized SaaS where yeah. payments are becoming becoming a piece of that. Um, so that's certainly uh, one trend that we continue to see, and I think we do see payments becoming distributed and closer and closer to the edge. We see payments becoming smaller. We see payments becoming faster um, and, and less of a sort of a centralized uh, payment system, right? So that's, that's one. Um, what are some other things, other trends we're tracking? We're looking at things like machine-to-machine -machine payments. So um, maybe a, a couple, I'll tell you about two, two investments that we've made, and it will give you a sense how we think about some of these things. So one... There's a company that we invested in that's running out of Canada called Trulio, T-R-U-L-I-O-O, and they do um, what is what is a reasonably traditional type of thing that a bank must do called KYC or K, uh, KYB, so know your customer, know your business. So if I'm going to do business with somebody as a bank, I need to know who you are to know that you are who you claim to be and that you're not um, maybe somebody with bad intentions potentially laundering money, you know, criminal money or something like that. So there's this onboarding process around, hey, you have to give me some documents to prove who you are, and I need to go validate that you are who you say you are. Um, 
so that's a that's um, an area we we continue to see innovation around identity and and uh, and this this concept of of validating who your customer is. Um, we recently invested in a company called Car IQ that does that for machines, and and where they're focused yeah. initially is on the automobile. So if you think about an automobile, as we all know, is is becoming less and less of an owned resource and more and more of a shared resource, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, so maybe one day most of us won't own cars, and my guess is most millennials maybe don't own cars. They borrow the car or, or use a car, and eventually these cars may not even have drivers as we get to full autonomy. Uh, and so if you get to that point where a car doesn't have a driver and um, the, you know, the fleet owner still wants to get it serviced, uh, you may get to the point, you, you, you will get to that point where the car actually needs to make a payment. So the car goes through a toll, the car goes through, goes to a shop or is on the street and somebody comes in and replaces the battery because it needs a new battery, but there is nobody in the car. So how do you get the vehicle itself to actually make a payment? Well, to do that, just like with any other payment, you need to validate, okay, who's it, who am I doing the transaction with, with a very high degree of confidence to avoid fraud. And so that's what this company car IT does is they fingerprint the vehicle to be able to tell you with a high degree of confidence that it is uh, the vehicle that it claims to be. Yeah. Now, um, when you look, when, you know, I'm sure this conversation happens inside city. When you look at what is the what does the de next decade look like for city? What is the vision? What what is the bank of um, you know the mid 21st century bank look like, and how what role is technology playing in that? Yeah, look, I, I think I think it's. Uh... It, it, it's a it's a focus on innovating faster. It's a focus on providing to our customers and our clients what they what they need. Um, it's a focus on um, showing up in all the places that banking happens. And as I said, I think banking and transactions are happening less and less. People coming into their branch or people going to the bank to do the transactions. Those transactions are happening in other places. And I think we want to make sure we're in those places where that's happening, so we can have those relationships with our customers and main, and, um, and continue to provide good services. So I think that's really uh, sort of where things are going. I mean, the, I'm not as close to a, a lot of those discussions around, uh, around uh, what, our, what our clients are looking for in those areas, but those are some of the trends that I see and I hear from, from my colleagues. You know, one point that did not come up, this is probably because you are more on the technology investment side and not the FinTech investment side is, uh, this notion of credit, there's a tremendous amount of fintech activity in the area of credit, whether it's peer-to-peer -peer credit, and you talked about the factoring company, that kind of stuff is happening at, at a very large scale, you know, very quick loans, and, and even companies like Intuit are now uh, in that business. So um, is this an area that you track, or it's outside of your Yeah, place? yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's an active area that we, that our team, uh, other colleagues on my team spend time around, which is, you know, new models for uh, for lending, um, new models. Uh, so one company that we've in, invested in, it's not exactly in, in that space, but um, it's a company called Unison. And what Unison does is it... Um, helps people with the down payment for their home in exchange for sharing in some of the upside in that home. So, you know, Bay Area, very expensive place to buy a home. There are very expensive markets, East Coast, West Coast. Um, 
you know, they will come up with a portion of that down payment, say, instead of having to come up with 20%, you come up with 10% and Unison comes up with 10%. And then you have a deal with Unison that when you go to sell your home, they get some percentage of the increase in value. And what they're mm -hmm. doing on the back end is they're taking that um, increase, that, that instrument that they've created, this option on the increase in value, and they're packaging that up and then they're selling it to, um, to uh, you know, investors, institutional investors on Wall Street. So it's a really interesting model that both provides something for the institutional investor as well as for, for the consumer. Um, yeah. So we've, uh, you know, so that's, that's an area, but we are looking at things in uh, insure tech. Obviously, I'm sure you know, there's a lot happening in insure tech and yeah. ability to give people quotes really quickly. Um, we're, um, uh, there's companies like uh, Better, that uh, make the mortgage process online much faster. So certainly, you know, I think it's, it's all about reducing friction, giving people, you know, it's sort of this immediacy that people come to expect from uh, their experience with certain applications that all these other experiences are, are trying to catch up to that, that sort of immediacy and that fast feedback and that frictionless customer experience. Interesting. Very interesting. InsureTech is actually very active right now. We're seeing a lot of InsureTech stuff. And as you said, property tech as well. That's also a hot area. It's kind of interesting. Regulatory tech is another one that is uh, very active. Great. So I think that gives us a good flavor of uh, what's happening at City, and um, we will uh, keep in touch and, and see what we can work on together. Thank you for right. coming well, today, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Sharman. I really appreciate the opportunity. and. Um, uh, you know, excited to uh, see the podcast increase and see the uh, 1M by 1M goal uh, achieved. Thank you. Be safe. Stay safe, everybody. All right. All right. You too, yes. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for <Ramona. laughs>